bloody massacre in occupied Jenin. The occupation stormed the Jenin refugee camp, leaving 16 Palestinians wounded and killing nine. The elderly woman who was shot in the neck during the raid was identified as six-year-old Majda Obeid. They stormed the Jenin government hospital and fired tear gas at the pediatric department. What says I'm indigenous more than fire some tear gas at babies? They spent the next 24 hours dropping bombs on Gaza. Shot at ambulances, two bullet holes in front of an ambulance. Scratch that off on your war crimes bingo card. Police officers go to occupied Palestine. They learn terrorism techniques, Israeli techniques to implement in the Memphis Police Department. Brutal murder in Memphis. Tyree Nichols in Atlanta, Portuguita. He was murdered by the police blocking the construction of a massive training center, Cop City. The NYPD has 16 different offices globally. What are they doing there? Very much in the spirit of Zionism. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Gaz and Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada. If overnight your talking points went from we're indigenous to Palestinians are actually lucky that we are their occupiers. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the palestinepod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes and additional podcasts per week called the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. This week, the occupation killed nine Palestinians in a bloody massacre in occupied Jenin. The occupation stormed the Jenin refugee camp, leaving at least 16 Palestinians wounded and killing nine others, including an elderly woman, on Thursday. Later that same evening, the Palestinian Health Ministry reported that another Palestinian by the name of Yusuf Yahya Abdel Karim was also killed in Al-Ram near occupied Jerusalem. The attack on Janine started at around 7.05 a.m. local time when Palestinians sounded the alarm in the camp after discovering an Israeli disguised unit in a civilian vehicle approaching the camp's entrance near the area of Jurat Adhab. There was apparently, according to the Middle East Eye, an exchange of fire between Palestinian resistance fighters and the occupation. And more forces were pushed into the camp. At one point, there was tens of military vehicles which had laid a siege around the entire area of the Janine refugee camp. Palestinians in the camp say that the occupation was, of course, targeting civilians. And what happened today, according to one of the individuals in the camp, was individuals defending their camp, where they live. In response to the massacre in the Janine camp, a general strike was declared across the entire occupied West Bank and Jerusalem. Fatah, which controls the Palestinian Authority, called on Palestinians to confront the occupation forces at checkpoints, which I think is interesting 
because normally they're trying to be like, no, no, everybody be chill. Don't try to resist against the occupation. According to the Middle East Eye, the PA actually called on Palestinians to confront occupation forces at checkpoints. The elderly woman who was shot in the neck during the raid was identified as six-year-old Majda Obeid, and her photo was included alongside all of the other martyrs. This was a very intentional massacre of the camp intended to kill each and every single Palestinian who was targeted in that moment. They do this very specifically. It's with, you know, as they say, surgical precision at our heads and chests so that they can ensure that they will be leaving Palestinians dead. And you might wonder, you're like, hey, how would Israeli politicians react to such a massacre? Would they be like, this is unthinkable. This is a human rights crisis. You'd be wrong. Because what they did actually is tweet, great job. Keep up the murder. Keep a good killing spree. We love to see it because that's what they do love to see. And that's an elected official. It's reflective of the society that elected these fascist terrorists, right? Even by their own standard, they're fascist terrorists. So, you know, what's up? Like, (laughs) what are the vibes? Uh, What is the UN for anymore? Like, (laughs) the amount of aggression and the persistence in the amount of aggression and the wanton nature of it. It's totally arbitrary. They will just go after absolutely anyone who is Palestinian. It doesn't matter if you're elderly, if you're a woman, if you're a child, if you're a young boy. It doesn't matter if you're a student. It doesn't matter if you had plans. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter. You're Palestinian, you're as good as dead. The persistence, the brutality, all of it. And the fact that After the raid and the massacre on the Janine refugee camp, home to Palestinians who were expelled from their homes by these very Zionists and their own parents and grandparents, right, who are at the origin of this, that wasn't enough. It simply wasn't enough. After that, they stormed the Janine government hospital and intentionally fired tear gas canisters at the pediatric department in the hospital. Because what says I'm indigenous to this land more than let's fire some tear gas canisters at babies. And they also stopped ambulances from coming to the rescue of the people that they had murdered, maimed, disfigured. They also shot at ambulances. There, I saw a photo of two bullet holes in an ambulance, the front of an ambulance. Like they tried to murder active ambulance members. Guys, scratch that off on your war crimes bingo card. Scratch off if you had if you had shooting an ambulance member as they were trying to attend to the victim of a war crimes massacre on your bingo card. Scratch that off for me. Yeah. The latest murders bring the death toll of Palestinians killed this year by the occupation to 30 and Jan- January is not even over yet. And they've already killed 30 Palestinians. For absolutely no reason other than the fact that they are hell-bent on cracking down on growing Palestinian armed resistance to their disgusting occupation. And that is all that this is intended to do, is make Palestinians lay down and die. But we won't do that. And we're going to keep living and we're going to keep standing firm on our land. 
This isn't even the first massacre on Janine, right? In April 2002, the IOF scrambled to hide one of their biggest war crimes of the century at the time in the occupied West Bank. They killed 52 Palestinians in the Janine refugee camp. They completed their killing spree between the 1st and the 11th of April at the height of the Second Intifada. The Zionist war criminals would have left, but uh, for one thing, how could they cover up this massacre, right? They they needed to figure out a way, so they put a lockdown on the entire Janine refugee camp and wouldn't let any UN ambassadors or any like journalists inside, human rights observers. They kept them all at bay. Then they actually started activating some of their connections to keep it all quiet on the international level. Secretary of State Colin Powell at the time, he started doing a press tour, actually originally from the King David Hotel in Jerusalem, where we know Zionists planted a bomb and killed 91 people in 1946. He said that he saw no evidence of a massacre in Janine at the time. That's what he said. And then by the 23rd of April, he was back in Washington briefing senators He said, right now, I've seen no evidence of mass graves, and I've seen no evidence that would suggest a massacre took place. He wasn't lying because he never went to Janine. He wouldn't have been able to see it if he wanted to because his paycheck is connected to it. Also, obviously, the person who lied about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Big, big war criminal vibes from that guy. Probably doing a book tour right now still. I don't know. I wonder, hey, does Colin Powell have a podcast? Honestly, probably. The reason that like initially the American politicians were lying about the state of the what we all know is one of the most brutal massacres up until now, where there's another brutal massacre and just providing cover on the international level. Amen posted as the Western media now begins to urgently and extensively cover the attacks in Jerusalem in which eight Israelis were killed. Please know that 30 Palestinians, nine Thursday alone, were killed in 2023. But the media always starts reporting at the death of an Israeli, right? Of so people are like, wait, what? The Palestinians killed an Israeli? It's so out of the ordinary. Meanwhile, Palestinians being murdered by Israelis is reported every single day, and nobody seems to bat an eye. And now it's like you get one Israeli death. Oh, actually, you get seven Israeli deaths at the moment. Oh, it's going to be. And it's going to be a problem on the international level. Well, now it's international news, huh? Why does Israeli life matter more to the media than Palestinian life? Well, it's on the front page of the New York Times. At least seven killed in attack in East Jerusalem. And the nine Palestinians who were killed in Janine, nowhere to be found. Yeah, do a search on New York Times for Janine and see what comes up. I took you literally, so I am doing that search. It was a joke, but also a good course. Uh, I mean, we should talk about Janine, right? Janine is special because it is a center of popular resistance through both art, expression, and also resistance to the occupation. They fight fire with fire in Janine, which is admirable, which is legal, according to the UN, right? And any violence that is conducted by the occupation is illegal, according to the UN. 
I want to quote George Jackson. In a nonviolent movement, there must be a latent threat of eruption, a dormant possibility of sudden and violent action if concessions are to be won, respect gained, and the established order altered. That nonviolent theory is practicable in civilized lands among civilized people, the Asians and the Africans. But a look at European history shows that anything of great value that ever changed hands was taken by force of arms. This European settler colony. Does this conscription army want somebody who lays down and dies? They want an easy W? That's what they're used to, right? They're used to literally nothing happening to them while they just beat the shit out of Palestinians. Murdering them wantonly. They're used to nothing. You got to respect your opponent. They're not warriors. They themselves admit that they are occupiers now. Even their propaganda arm has admitted they are occupiers now. The people who were like, we are indigenous to this land are now like, yeah, we're occupiers and we got to keep it that way because of what happened in the 1970s. That's literally what their talking points have devolved into. The daughter of Mejda Naifa, who was one of the 10 Palestinians killed on Thursday in Janina and occupied Jerusalem, recorded a video talking about how her mother was shot and killed in her own home and how the bullet came and hit her in the neck. Uh, Dr. Yara Hawari has tweeted the interview with the daughter of, of the victim. Where are we as Palestinians allowed to exist? It's just a question. Just just want to know. I mean, I mean, if we can't be in our homes in safety, where are we supposed to go? Nowhere is safe for us. The streets aren't safe for us. The refugee camps that we were expelled to are not safe for us. Being internally displaced otherwise is not safe for us. Being in refugee camps in other countries is not safe for us. Where are we supposed to be? I mean, what is the right place for us to be? Because whether they like it or not, there's millions of us. We're not going anywhere. So they can live in their bubble and in their delusions about how this is their liberation movement or whatever it is, or how Zionism is, is, is you know, this great thing. But the reality is is there's always going to be the 10,000 pound elephant in the room, which is that there's millions of Palestinians whose, whose bodies you are, you are standing on in order to establish yourself on this land. And, and, and I just want to know where we're supposed to be. How are we supposed to navigate this whole thing? Where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? We can't even be in our homes in a fucking refugee camp. I'm sorry, I don't even know. We can't even be in our homes in a refugee camp. She's a, she's a refugee. You already kicked her out of her first home. Now she's in a camp and she can't even be in her home in the camp without being shot in the neck by your occupation thugs. They always go for the neck because they're vampires. The martyrs from Janine are Abdullah Al-Ghul, Hamoudi Al-Washi, Mu'tasim Abu Al-Hassan, Noor Ghanayim, Majda Ubaid, Wasim Jass, Azuddin Salahat, Saab Izuraik, and Hamoud Al-Shaki. There's also an additional martyr from occupied Jerusalem, also from Thursday. His name is Yusuf Hussein. I also want to add that after the massacre in Janine, and after the raid as well on the hospital in Janine, 
the occupation was like, no, you know, we're actually not done terrorizing Palestinians today. Now we're going to start to drop some bombs on Gaza. So they spent the next 24 hours dropping bombs on various places in Gaza. And it basically made no news. Locals in Gaza told Al Jazeera that Israeli warplanes had hit the El Marazi refugee camp in the center of Gaza with at least 13 strikes in the early hours of Friday. So on Thursday, massacre a bunch of Palestinians in Jenin, and on Friday morning, going to drop a bunch of bombs on another refugee camp, this time in Gaza. It seems like nobody's listening to the UN really anymore, right? The Zionists were like, the UN gave us our occupation state, and that was the last thing that they can tell us. That was the last time we want to hear from the UN. Convos with the UN closed from now on. We will show up with a rock, maybe, but maybe not even because we don't respect what's going on. The UN was like, you guys got to give up your nukes. And the occupation was like, who said we had nukes? We do. We do. But we won't give them up, right? We'll kill you. A statement was released by the Freedom Theater in Janine in response to the massacre that took place on Thursday. Early this morning, I went to the Freedom Theater. Students passed on their way to school and the laborers to work. We try to start our day as if we are normal humans. Without warning, the merciless Israeli military forces attacked Janine refugee camp once again to enact their brutal actions of killing, demolition, and arrests. The result was the murder of nine people from the camp, including an elderly woman and a 24-year-old boy. Ambulances were prevented from reaching the many others injured, including at least four critically wounded. Janine Youth Center has been destroyed, as has the monument to the martyr Dawood Zubaydi, and once again, the camp's children have had their mental health violated. Janine Refugee Camp was formed over 70 years ago, and until this day, we experience continued invasions, killings, and arrests. There is growing anxiety and doubling despair, and we cling to radical solutions to end occupation and injustice. An increase in the level of national dignity, a deep belief in the revolutionary identity, and the strengthening of the values of cooperation and solidarity among the people of Janine Refugee Camp keep us alive. At the end of the day, we cannot stop the wounds inflicted on the hearts of mothers or end the tears we feel for those we lost. But the resistance can and will continue to defend the right to exist in Janine Refugee Camp. The situation is difficult and dangerous. The invasion is the largest and most extensive since 2002. At a time when the right-wing fascist Israeli government is floundering, they are trying to solve problems by spilling more Palestinian blood. The weakness of the Palestinian Authority continues to be unable to protect humans and their homeland. We call on the international community to intervene to protect citizens and to allow medical staff to perform their work in rescuing the injured. So this statement was prepared by Mustafa Shetta, the producer at the Freedom Theater in Janine. A lot of people are asking, you know, why? Why is this happening? Why is Israel doing all this? And there's a lot of layers to the answer, more deeply entrenched, you know, their settler colonial project. But I think there's something that is more specific to the particular time that we're in, which is that anytime the settler colony feels that it's being threatened, whether externally or internally, this is a way for it to deflect from this question of political dissent and resistance. And this is exactly what Professor Nora Erekat tweeted. She said, it's so typical and unnerving. Israel escalates assaults on Palestinians in an effort to deflect from internal political dissent. The question is, why are Palestinians penned in, held captive, and made subject to these systemic attacks? Another commentator, Summer Saeed, wrote, the violence in Janine is not an anomaly. It's what settler colonialism requires to sustain itself, the continuous killing of indigenous people. 
The images out of Janine say a lot about the tragedy experienced by Palestinians on daily basis at the hands of Israeli settlers. I also wanted to share a story about a Palestinian child from Gaza who passed away on Thursday after sustaining wounds in the latest Israeli aggression on Gaza last year. His name was Nayef Al-Awaydat. He was 13 years old, and he passed away after wounds he sustained when Israeli warplanes bombed his neighborhood in al Hassaniya in the refugee camp of Al-Nusayrat in central Gaza. And that also is just a testament to the fact that even after the news cycle is over, people and children continue to suffer for many, many months and years. And, you know, it's something that we don't even have the time to spend. We're not even able to spend the, the proper amount of time on because he's been dealing with this for what, six, seven months now. And now he's passed away from wounds that he sustained last year. So it's just, it's super devastating. Are you indigenous if you haven't tear gassed a hospital? I thought I think that's a indigenous ritual. Shout out France, shout out LAPD. You know what I mean? Shout out the occupation. There is actually a connection between the police force in the United States and the occupation. There's obviously the training program, right? Which is where police officers from the United States go over to occupied Palestine. They learn counterterrorism techniques. They bring them back here and use them on impoverished communities. That is actually very relevant because there was just a brutal murder in Memphis. Tyree Nichols was murdered so brutally that five officers were immediately discharged before the video came out, which means that it is such a brutal video. The city of Memphis is like, we can't defend this, right? Businesses are buying insurance because they think that there's going to be riots when the video drops. Memphis Police Department is one of the offices that has gone to the occupation for counterterrorism training. The police department of Memphis, Larry Godwin served as the director of the Memphis Police Department between 2004 and 2011, then served as the deputy commissioner at the state Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security between 2011 and 2016, attended a training in Israel as a delegate of the Homeland Security International Conference in 2010, credited with instituting the Blue Crush predictive policing system at the Memphis Police Department, which targets high crime hotspots resulting in increased policing of low-income communities of color. In an ABC24 News report on his trip to the occupation, Larry Godwin talked about his Blue Crush program and how he would use his training to bring his, quote, Israeli techniques back home to implement in the Memphis Police Department. We're going to try and incorporate some things here. We're doing a lot of it, but there's still some other things that we can do technology-wise. I picked up some very good information. Larry Godwin, Memphis Police Director. I'd love to just read this Twitter thread from Venus Roots. In 2020, when police and prison abolitionists and our values went viral and hit the mainstream, the media and politicians of both parties painted us out to be crazy, incapable of governing or making demands for our communities and our people. In 2022, 
police killings reached a record high in the United States, killing 1,176 people. It is impossible to hold police accountable, and the purpose of police is not about safety. It's about protecting private property and maintaining a white supremacist racial order. We know well the origins of police is slave-catching militias. But since the uprisings of 2020, black organizations and mass movements have suffered fractures, collapse, and disarray. And without radical organization, the police state only strengthens and becomes more deadly. We must ask ourselves, in what ways have our strategies failed? In what ways has individualism and the celebrity-dom of organizers worked against us? When will we reckon with the fact that we need organizations to win? We absolutely cannot brand book deal our way to liberation. The $90 million proposal of Cop City in Atlanta should be alarming for everyone, not just police abolitionists. This is the same Georgia police that trains Israeli settler police in the horrendous tactics of murder and genocide against the Palestinian people on their land. And obviously, there was a brutal murder in Atlanta of a well-known environmental activist, Tortuguita. He was beloved. He was murdered by the police department there. Forest defender Tortuguita in Georgia was murdered. His crime was defending a forest in the heart of Atlanta because the police are trying to build this insane police military fire. They're basically declaring it a military firing zone. We need to fire guns there. The tactics that they're using to steal land in Palestine, they're using those same tactics here in North America, right? Police accountability advocates on Thursday called for an independent investigation after an activist was shot and killed during a multi-jurisdictional law enforcement raid on a forest encampment blocking the construction of a massive police training center just outside Atlanta, popularly known as Cop City. So for our listeners who don't know what Cop City is, Cop City is the Atlanta Police Foundation is trying to build the largest police training facility in the United States in Weelani Forest, a watershed surrounded by primarily black residents who overwhelmingly oppose the project. The plans include military-grade training facilities, a mock city to practice urban warfare, dozens of shooting ranges, and a Black Hawk helicopter landing pad. Siri, what is a uh, dystopian nightmare? Yeah, it's just that. <laughs> Siri's like, I don't understand the question. You sound like you need medication. And we've seen violence against environmentalist protesters in the form of police brutality, Palestine action, when there was a encampment outside the Shenstone location, drone company. The British police brutally raided the encampment and brutalized elderly women and child activists. It's exactly what they said in Janine. We are the only ones who can keep us safe, and we all need to work together collectively. That's why they declared a general strike. That's why they understand the importance of building resistance movements. But honestly, the occupation is their best recruiter. 
if the occupation didn't brutally murder, didn't brutally steal land, wasn't trying to kill people in their places of worship where they've burned down mosques, where they've burned down churches, right? If the occupation wasn't doing that, you wouldn't see the type of activities you see coming from Janine, probably. But instead, what we see is every day a brutal crackdown, every day another murder, every day another body coming from the occupation soldier illegally occupying Palestinian land. Occasionally, you get struck back if you fight with fire. Did you also know that the NYPD has offices in Palestine? No. Well, you're about to find out. You might just think that the NYPD is brutalizing people on the streets of New York, randomly searching and violating people's rights in just the boroughs of New York City. But you would be wrong because the NYPD actually has 16 different offices globally. Did you hear me correctly? I did. That's so awkward. Yeah, let's read all of them out, right? Let's read out where they are. The New York Police Department. What are they doing there? That's a great question. Thank you so much for asking that. That leads me to the list of places (laughs) where they are and why are they there. Very much in the spirit of Zionism. First off, they have an office in Washington. Okay. D.C. Then they have an office in Los Angeles. Right. They also have an office in Toronto, Montreal, Santo Domingo, Madrid, Paris, London, The Hague of all places. The Hague? That's just disrespectful for them to be violating people's rights in The Hague. That's honestly too on the nose. They're also in Lyon. They have offices in Jordan, in Amman right? They have an office in Abu Dhabi. Obviously, they're in Doha. They have an office in the occupation in Jaffa. They have an office in Singapore. And finally, in Sydney, Australia. That was according to, that's at at least from 2018. So it's very possible that they have more offices now. But as of 2018, the NYPD had 16 offices globally, which seems a bit much. We still don't know what they're doing, though. That's a great question. Uh, Allow me to read from this article that says it's from 2016. NYPD embeds intelligence officers in 13 cities overseas since 9-11. The NYPD is placing detectives in big city police departments across the globe amid the growing terror threat from groups like ISIS. need to be positioned 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, all around the globe to react in New York City in real time, said John Miller the NYPD Deputy Commissioner for Intelligence. The NYPD Liaison Officer in Paris 
He speaks the language, works closely with intelligence officers in Paris police headquarters. He said something like, he said exactly this. He said, they share information on their investigations and anything that would be of interest to New York City, I would relay that information back to my counterparts in New York. It's crazy that they have never heard of email, right? Because... <laughs> It seems like you don't need to be there. What you could do is just get a message from somebody in Paris. NYPD, huh? In Paris. It just doesn't. It's you're a foreign police force. Like, why are you? That's how that's how people in Janine feel. (laughs) Yeah. Why are you here? (laughs) And then the Israelis are always like, like, bang, 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 bang. And they're like, oh, right. You're here for that. That's what you guys do. And then in Janine, they're like, well, we hit you back occasionally. This article was written in 1997, which just goes to show you how little things have changed, if not accelerated and gotten worse for Palestinians. September 11th, actually, 1977, in the Los Angeles Times, mother blames Israeli policies for child's death. Just Days after the death of her daughter in a Jerusalem bombing attack, Nurit Heled El Hanan is unswayed by Israeli accusations that the Palestinian Authority is to blame. Instead, the hollow eyed mother places responsibility for the death of her daughter, Smadar, 13, and for the other victims squarely on Israel itself. This is the fruit of Israel's misdoings. Heled El Hanan said as she sat in her home, surrounded by relatives and friends. It serves their purpose. They want to kill the peace process and blame it on the Arabs. Grieving mother's views that the Israeli policies of occupation and oppression have created an atmosphere that breeds Palestinian resistance are far from typical among Israelis. But they have struck a chord with an audience of leftists and some Palestinians and a number of whom have called or stopped by to show support in days since Thursday's triple bombing. She's had the courage to say what's going on with the Palestinian people, to say that they are angry and fed up, said an elderly Israeli woman who added that she did not know the family but felt compelled to drop in after hearing Smadar's mother interviewed on radio. Quote, it's no one's fault but our own. A Hebrew university lecturer, Peled Elhanan, 48, said her politics have always been left to far left. Her father, Matty Peled, former general who became a legislator, was one of the first Israelis to meet secretly with Palestinian Liberation Organization officials when such encounters were outlawed. Peled Elhanan welcomed a Palestinian envoy to her daughter's funeral dismissing Israel's charges that the Palestinian Authority was indirectly responsible for the bombing. She described her daughter as a, quote, victim of peace. And anytime Israeli is killed, it's on the Israeli government, the Zionist government, because they've had so many years of oppressive and brutal occupation that they have really only allowed for one option, and that is resistance to a violent and brutal occupation with modest means. A real David and Goliath story. Remember when Jews used to root for David instead of embodying Goliath? Also, David threw rocks, right? Very Palestinian. Come on. Yeah, for sure. 
that has been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Find our full episodes and sources at palestinepod.com. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. You can also look for us on Patreon, where we are providing premium content. www.patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. That's been another episode of the pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day.